Welcome, everyone. It's good to see you this weekend. If you guys reach in your program, take this piece of paper out. It says I Care Community on it. And uh, through I Care Community, we're talking about the four eyes and encouraging you to be involved with them and be uh, a part of something with intentionality. So the first eye, we say that in I Care Community, we want to intentionally interact with God. And so what we mean by that is prayer. We want to pray. And if you didn't get one of these little green bracelets, I encourage you to grab one of those. And uh, they're, they're uh, something that you can wear. They're annoying. I hate mine. Uh, it's annoying. It matches nothing. And uh, so it's a fashion statement. But what we want you to do is on the inside of it, write down three names of people that you can pray for every day that God would open up their heart and their mind to the hope and the love and the message of the gospel. And so I encourage you that. In fact, we put uh, Sharpies in the chairs. You can do that even throughout the service, three names. And all we're doing is praying, 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 praying for them. So our dream is this. In, a, in about a six-week time frame, approximately 5,000 of us would move through the Bath campus and we said, man, what would happen if each of us prayed for three people every day and we were praying for 15,000 people a day that their heart and mind would be opened up to the good news, the message, and the love of Jesus. And so that's our goal. We're uh, rolling this out with the kids uh, right now. And so they're doing that. The, uh, the, our high school, junior high students, they're on a retreat this weekend. There's a ton of them there. I don't even know. I dropped mine off and I, I ran for it. So I don't even know uh, what's going on. Our college students are down in Virginia Beach helping with the church plan, but there's, they're all over. This is what we're doing all the way through and with the hope that we can pray for 15,000 people a day. It's a big, big deal. That's, and uh, we want you to do that. The second I is to intentionally share God's love. So we said, hey, what if we did good with our community instead of to our community? Uh, as neighbors, as a neighborhood, what could we do to connect, to advance, create or advance a relationship? And so... Uh, our idea is the shoe project that in neighborhoods you can kind of come out of hibernation, get to know the new neighbors by interacting with them about the shoe project, sending these shoes all over the world. That's just a idea. If you got a better one, then go with yours, right? So that's just the one we put on the table. But if your neighborhood already has a passion or there's a unique need in your neighborhood, we would just say, be the catalyst to cause that to happen in your neighborhood and create or advance relationships through that. Intentionally share hope. We're praying for the no-brainer moment, the no-brainer moment. So God, praying for these people every day, would you open up a door so that when it is your time and your place, they would ask me for the reason for the hope that's within me. That's the way Peter says it in the Bible. And so it's the no-brainer moment. I'm not leaving pieces of paper at people's doors. I'm not putting yard signs in my front yard that says eternity, smoking or non-smoking. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that, right? I'm praying for the no-brainer moment. God, just make it clear. And when you open the door, I'll walk through and I'll, I'll share the reason for the hope that I have. And then intentionally learn the Bible. Um, you can't tell God's story if you don't know it. And so a lot of us here at Grace are like new to this whole Christian thing, right? And so the, we don't know the Bible. It's not a big deal. You just have to take the time to, to learn it. And so throughout the course of eye care, we put together like a, a track of classes that would go like along with it through our Emmaus training. And you can learn the Bible, learn, learn about what it means to share the hope, learn just kind of God's story. And what we're, we're challenging you to do is to be a two-hour person, two-hour person. Come in here 
hear the, the music and the message, enjoy the view, you're welcome, right? And do that and then spend the next hour uh, down in one of the classes and just digging into the Bible and, and learning that a little bit more. And over the next four or five weeks, um, we're offering that. So we encourage you to opt in. And if you take out your connection card, looks like this, your connection card on the front of that, there's a little box that says opt in. When you opt in, all you're doing is signing up to get information. So we'll use Gracelink, which is our internal communication process. And whatever you opt into, we'll make sure that information lands on your phone. That's it. And just say, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. I'll pray. I'll, I'll wear that annoying little green bracelet. I'll go to classes. I'll be the catalyst in my neighborhood. You know, I, I'm in. I'll do all that. I'll take some classes and opt in. And we'll start shooting those reminders and that information to you. And that's, that's I care. Okay, and so we're focusing in on that. Uh, I told you last weekend, if you're able to be here, if you weren't, you can go online and you can watch it or get a podcast or iTunes if you want and listen to it. But we talked about how when you look into the Bible, especially the second half of the Bible, second part of the Bible, it's called the New Testament. When I look into that, I can read it on a very cursory level and what will jump out right away is this. If I am a follower of Jesus then Jesus and the apostles. The apostles were guys that were authorized by Jesus to speak on his behalf. So Jesus and the apostles all say real clearly, you need to tell the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is this. You're a sinner. Jesus loves you, came, lived, died, rose again, and he wants to make peace with you. He wants to make peace with you. He offers the forgiveness of your sin. That's the gospel in a very quick nutshell. So I'm to do that. I'm to go into all the world as a follower of Jesus in the church. I'm to proclaim that. The Apostle Paul says that I am to do the work of an evangelist, which is evangelist is just one who tells the gospel. That's all it means. So I'm to do that on purpose with intentionality. And uh, Peter says, when asked, I'm to give the reason for the hope that's within me. So with gentleness and with respect, I tell my story. That's it. And I share my story I care about people's souls, and I, I, uh, I look into those things, okay? So what I want to do this week and the next week especially is I want to show you that kind of more in depth and get you into some parts of the Bible that are the foundation for that teaching. And this weekend in particular, I'm going to take you to a part of the Bible that if you've come to Grace for a while, you're going to be very familiar with uh, because it's core, like it's right there in the top two or three things that Jesus tells Christians to do. So we've talked about it more than once around here. So for those of you who are been around a while, it's a reminder for those of us who are new, it's probably a new teaching, it'll help you. And uh, we're gonna look at that. Now, if you're here this weekend and you're not a follower of Jesus, I got some good news and some better news for you, okay? The good news is, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that everything I'm about to tell you that the Bible says to do doesn't apply to you. You are completely off the hook at church this weekend. You're welcome, right? You don't have to. And so if you don't agree with it or you don't like it or you don't, that, that's all fine. It's all fine because this one applies only to those who are followers of Jesus. Here's the better news. If you've ever wondered why your Christian friends are weird <clears throat> and, and they're always like, I'm praying for you, come to church with me. I want you to follow Jesus. And like your mom, your grandma's all upset about that. I'm gonna explain that to you. Uh, today. So you're going to walk away and you're going to be like, that's why they're so weird. I thought it was their hair. No, it's their belief system. And so we'll, we'll lay that out for you and it all kind of makes sense. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus already, uh, this is a direct instruction from God. 
So if you were ever going to look at the Bible and say, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to show you right here. God's like, do this. This is who you are. This is how I want you to function. This is how I see you. And I want you to think of yourself in these ways. Okay? All right. So grab your Bibles. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. It's page 805 in those Bibles. And if you're electronic, close Facebook real quick and open up version, <coughs> the version app. And uh, we, you can download that if you don't have it. Open that up, hit live, and our zip code is 44333. And we'll meet you right there. You can take notes, you can text us, all that kind of stuff right there off of version. okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> let's look at verse 14, we'll start there. This is the Apostle Paul, guy that has permission from Jesus to speak on his behalf, says this, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, he is Jesus. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him, for Jesus, who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone, the new is here. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, these are Christ followers, gave us, Christ followers, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, the Christ followers, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are God's co-workers. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. <clears throat> For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. And I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. And now is the day of salvation, right? So Paul is writing Christ followers. And he says this, in essence, he's saying, guys, if you're a Christ follower... <clears throat> something's happened in your life. And what's happened in your life is this. Somebody told you the good news, you accepted it, and you have been reconciled with God. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the gospel. It starts with the gospel, the good news. Now, here's the deal with the good news. The good news starts with bad news. And all of us who are Christ followers had to hear the bad news before we heard the good news. So the good news starts with bad news. Here's the bad news. Somebody came into our lives, right? A friend, a family member, church, whatever, came into our lives and told us the bad news about ourselves. And the bad news is, I am a sinner. Somebody had to tell us that. Because I don't think of myself as a sinner, right? I think of myself as a good guy. And, and most people would, I'm a good person. You know, I'm just trying to get along. I'm just trying to make it. And Jesus would say, actually, that, that's, that's actually not true. Uh, the reality is you're not naturally a good person. You're naturally a bad person, right? And we, we know that if we think about it. Nobody taught you to lie. Nobody taught you to be selfish, right? Nobody, we come by those by our human instinct. I'm a sinner, okay? Now, <clears throat> the serious nature of that is this. 
As a sinner, the Bible says, I stand as an enemy of God. I am in defiance of God, right? I do what I want to do. I don't follow him. I think how I want to think. I, I stand naturally in my humanity as an enemy of God. And the Bible says every human being is that way. We're born that way. It's the one thing we all have in common with each other. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Wouldn't you like to be a sinner too? Right, so we all, we all get sin. That's bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is God loves us passionately. And so God in his passionate love looks at sinners who are in defiance of him, who he has every right in the world to take a lightning bolt and deep fry and send them to hell forever. And instead of doing that, he gave his only son, Jesus. And Jesus came to earth. He lived perfectly, died innocently, rose again. And in that process provides forgiveness for us. So Jesus died on the cross. He paid a debt he did not owe for us who owe a debt that we cannot pay. He was our substitute for our sin, right? And he died in our place. We deserve the cross, Jesus took it. So I have this sin, defiance of God. I have this God that loves me and has made a way, the Bible says, a made a way of escape. He's bailed me out. The good news is he loves me. The bad news is I'm a sinner. The amazing news is if I ask him to forgive me of my sin, the Bible says he's faithful and just to do that and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And when I ask God to forgive me of my sin, I am reconciled with him. I make peace with God. I'm no longer his enemy. I'm his friend. I'm his child. I'm reconciled to God. So the apostle Paul looks at us and he says, hey, if you're a Christ follower, that's happened to you. You're at, you're at peace with God. That's the good news. And that news is life-changing. That love of Jesus is, is life-altering. And look back at the Bible, verse 14. That is the love that compels us. See, we're convinced that that happened. We've accepted that by faith. We're convinced that that happened. We have caused that or allowed that to happen in our lives, we've accepted what Jesus did for us. And when we accepted that, everything about our life changed. I no longer live for myself, but I live for the one who died and raised again. Because Christ loved me so much that he did this for me, while I'm shaking my fist at him, my life has changed and I am a new Creation, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Everything about me is different because I'm at peace with God, right? I'm a new creation. I think differently. I have, I have a different grid that I process logic through because I have a renewed mind. I'm motivated differently. Different things move me and motivate me because I have a transformed heart, right? I speak differently, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I act differently. My behavior changes, not because I'm trying to appease God, but because I'm at peace with him, I function differently than I used to function. Everything is different about me. One of the things, one of the results of this, of me being reconciled to God and it being a new creation, all that has changed, is this, look at verse 18, 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Because I'm different and because God, Jesus, is now the hard drive of my life, I look at people differently. Now, what's it mean to not regard someone from a worldly point of view? A worldly point of view is simply this. I look at you according to what you can do for me, right? You're my waitress, you're my teacher, you're my boss. We have this exchange of services. When I regard you no longer that way, I start to see you as Christ sees you. And when Christ would look at you, and now I look at you this way, I don't see people as things that function in my life. I see human beings with souls. Every human being has a soul, and every human being's soul is gonna wind up in eternity, and there's two options. There's heaven and there's hell, that's it. We don't cease to exist. We don't float around, right? We go to heaven, the Bible says, we're very clear, if I'm, a, if I'm reconciled with God, the minute I die, I'm in the presence of Jesus. Or the inverse is true, I die, I go to hell. And I'm forever separated from God in hell. And both of those things literally exist. So I no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. I look at them and I think, oh my word, they, they, they need to be reconciled to God because their soul is at stake, their eternity is at stake, and, and I learned that, somebody told me bad news followed by really good news, I reconciled with God, and what happened to me needs to happen for them as well. And the Apostle Paul would say, right, right. If you're a Christ follower, when you start viewing people that way, that's exactly the way that you should think about them. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, Christ followers, this ministry or work of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us, Christ followers, the message of reconciliation, right? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though Christ were making his appeal through us. I now am the one who tells that. I tell that bad news, good news, the gospel. I do that work. As a Christ follower, it's what I do. It's the prime driver in my life. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love my neighbor as myself, the second commandment. I can't love my neighbor as myself if I don't, care about their soul. I cared about mine, I've been reconciled. Now I, I care about them, I see them that way, I see the matrix, right? I can't dodge bullets, but I can see the matrix, right? And I see what's going on spiritually. That work has been entrusted with, to me, that ministry and that message has been entrusted to me Now, the prime driver of my life, of my identity, is that I am an ambassador for Jesus. It's not what I do, it's who I am. Now, that concept gets a little tricky for us because we're Westerners, right? So we're North Americans, and there's nothing wrong with being a North American, that's a good thing. It just means we think a certain way, we've been taught to think a certain way. 
And this is how we tend to think. Let me give you an example. If I said to you, if I just met you, um, and we bumped into each other, you would say to me, and you're attractive, I'd say thank you, right? And I would say to you, I might say, if we're trying to get to know each other, I might say, tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. And if you were gonna tell me about yourself, the first thing that you would say to me, because we're North Americans, is you would tell me what you spend the majority of your time doing, right? So I would say, tell me about yourself. And you might say, well, I'm a plumber. And uh, tell me about yourself. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, into, I'm into finance. Tell me about yourself. I do, I do uh, computer stuff. Right? I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Right? I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm a teacher. I'm a nurse. I'm a, what? I'm a student. I'm, I'm finishing up college. I'm trying to get through the eighth grade for the second time. <laughs> right? You know, if, we would say, we would identify ourselves by what we do most of the time. And as Westerners, we would find our identity in that. Now, listen, that's not a sin, okay? Don't hear me wrong. It's just the way we think, that's it. That's all I'm saying, it's the way we think. Now, because we have that tendency, this is what we do. Because we tend to think that way, our tendency is to bring our relationship with God into our preconceived ideas about what our identity is, right? So if I've been reconciled to God, I'm a Christ follower, and I said, tell me about yourself, and we got to talking, you might say this, I'm a Christian business owner. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian mechanic. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian teacher. I'm a Christian salesperson, right? I'm a Christian stay-at-home parent, which means my kids go to bed, buy Michael card, and wake up to Veggie Tales. That's really all that means, right? I'm a, I'm a Christian version of what I spend most of my time doing. I'm, a, I'm the Christian in my math class. I'm the Christian in my fraternity, right? This is who I am. I've been reconciled to God, so I add that to who I am, and I'm a Christian version of whoever I am, right? And it's our tendency. Most of us do that with the best of intention. It's not some big sin. It's just the way that we think. Now, this is where this becomes a bit of a problem. When I think that way, that this is who I am and I'm a Christian version of that, I define a win incorrectly. So when, I, when my pillow hits, when my head hits the pillow at night or the pillow hits my head, either one, it can go either way, right? When I lay down at night and I'm gauging the success of my day, if I think about this is who I am, what I spend most of my time doing, and I'm a Christian version of that, I define a win a certain way. So for instance, if I'm a Christian student, then I would look and I would say this, I, a win is that I got a good grade in math and I did it honestly, right? I'm a Christian student, I don't cheat. So I got a, an A in math and I got it honestly. If I'm a Christian business person, say I'm in sales, the win is I made a good sale today and I did it ethically. I didn't oversell the person, I didn't cut a corner, I didn't bury stuff in the fine print. I made a, a straight up sale for what they needed and I did it 
ethically, okay? Because I'm a Christian salesperson. If I'm a Christian uh, stay-at-home parent, right? The win is the house is organized, the laundry's done, the kids are relatively, you know, alive kind of a thing. And, and I did it with joy and patience. I didn't lose my temper today, okay? I'm a Christian version of what I spend most of my time doing. That's how we would tend to think. So when I hit the bed at night, I'm looking back, I'm saying, God, did I serve you? God, did I invest my life well? God, I would tend to define the win that way. This is where this is a problem. Ready? If Jesus was talking to you and he said, tell me about yourself, and you said, I'm a Christian firefighter, Jesus would look at you and he would say, ready? No, you're not. Well, yeah, I am. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, I'm Jesus. Don't argue with me. Right? No, you're not. Well, what, I am, what am I? Ready? You're an ambassador. To who? The people at the firehouse. You're an ambassador. To who? The kids in your math class. You're an ambassador. To who? Well, your children. Well, who am I? You're an ambassador. You are an ambassador first. And that little tweak is massive. It's huge. Because what it does is it causes me to define a win very differently. If I'm the Christian salesperson, I define the win by saying I made a sale ethically. If I'm an ambassador for Christ, I define the win by saying, did the people I sold widgets to know the truth about God? If I'm the Christian student, see, I define the win as I, I, I got an honest grade on the math test. If I'm an ambassador in math, the win is, do the kids in my math class know the good news of Jesus? Do, the, do my children who I just spent the day with, is it like they spent the day with Christ himself because I'm making his appeal for their hearts? Just like if he was here. If you hung out with Jesus, you would not get very far into that relationship before Jesus would look at you and say, you know what? I got some good news and I got some bad news. The bad news is you're a sinner. I'm a good person. Yeah, you're really not. Oh, I am. No, I created you. Don't argue, right? You're not. You're not a good person. You're a sinner. But here's the good news. See my hands, see my feet, see my side, like Thomas, right? I died for you. I rose again. And if you will come to peace with me and be reconciled to me, right? I will save your soul and I will benefit your life. Jesus would not be around you long before he had that conversation with you. And as ambassadors, where my primary drive and identity in my life as a Christ follower is to be an ambassador, 
it would only make sense to God that I would not be around someone long before I sought to create or advance a relationship in which that question was somehow addressed. Now, how long have you lived in your house? Do your, do your neighbors know anything about the gospel? How long have you had your job? How long have you been in that math class? Well, it's my third time through, exactly, right? See, how long have you had that route? How long have you done it? And that's the kind of thing Jesus would ask. Right? Now, why? When Paul says this is who we are, and this ministry and this message has been entrusted to us, it's, it's a big deal because of this. Ready? Every other aspect of the Christian life can be done in heaven. Everything else can be done in heaven. We can worship God in heaven. We can interact with God in heaven. We can even give, the Bible says we're gonna give crowns as rewards and we're gonna give them back to Jesus so we can tithe in heaven. We can love each other in heaven. We're gonna know the Bible inside and out in heaven. The only thing that a Christian cannot do in heaven is be an ambassador to someone who has not yet reconciled with God. Because everybody in heaven is already gonna have reconciled with God. The literal reason that you do not go to heaven the minute that you accept Jesus as your savior is so that you can stay here and serve as his ambassador. Because the message and the ministry has been entrusted to those of us who are followers of Jesus. Chapter six, verse one, as God's co-workers. See, we do this with God. It's his plan, it's his purpose, it's why we're still here. We do this with God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Why is it now? It's because we're here. It's not later. We can't do the work of an ambassador in heaven. It's over. We do it now because we're here. And when Paul says, I urge you not to receive the work of grace in vain, that word vain, when you push it back into the Greek that we translated it out of and bring it forward into a, a modern English vernacular, it means uselessly. I urge you not to receive the work of grace uselessly. What would that be? What would be a useless way to receive the, the work of God's grace? Well, if I receive God's grace and I think, man, I am so glad I received that. Man, it feels great to have my sins forgiven. Man, it's wonderful to have power for living. Man, it is so nice to have joy. It is so wonderful to have peace. The Apostle Paul would look at us and say, well, that's useless. What? Yeah, you can have all that in heaven. You've received this grace today for this moment so that you can be a coworker, an ambassador for Jesus. An ambassador is one who communicates the message of the sovereign who sent them. And what is the message of Jesus? It's the gospel of Christ. Here's the message. You're a sinner, there's a savior. 
you need to be at peace with him. Guys, as a follower of Christ, this is like job one. And when I get up and look at when I get up and, and look in the mirror in the morning, I'm like you, right? I get up and I start to organize my day. So I get up and I look in the mirror and I think, oh my, yes, thank you, Lord, right? And then I start to organize my day. And I start to think things, I got this meeting, I got this breakfast, I gotta drop this person off, I gotta organize, I got this project, this thing's due, I gotta hit this deadline, right? I got a lot to do. I got a big staff around here. They're a bunch of hooligans. They all, they all, you know, are sinners. And so I got to organize them, fire people, stuff like that, right? You know, it's, you got to do all that stuff. It's a discipline for me to look in the mirror and say, see, I say I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I'm a, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador who serves at the pleasure of my king. And he will determine who comes into my day, who does not enter my day. He will determine the condition of the person's heart and their mind. And what am I? I am simply one who tells his message, who does the work of the ministry as if someone was meeting with Jesus personally. Here's the gospel. I wrote it down for you. It's in your notes. Ready? The gospel is simply this. The gospel is this truth, that we, human beings, have radically sinned, and we stand opposed to God. Now, here's the question. Do the people in your life know that? Do they know that? See, that, that? Your buddies that you golf with, that you bowl with, that you have a beer with, do they know that? Does your family know that? It's the gospel. It starts with bad news. By the way, don't ever say the bad news without saying the good news. That makes you a Jesus jerk. Right? But do they know the bad news? And then there's good news, right? You have radically sinned. It's just the truth. You don't have to be a jerk about it. It's just the truth. And people that you need to love, that you love, need to know the truth. You stand opposed to God. God, who is offended and appalled by our willful sin, radically loves us so much that instead of wrath, he seeks peace. God is appalled by your sin. He's offended by your sin. Your sin is egregious to a perfect God. And what you deserve and what I deserve is a lightning bolt in eternity in hell. But God loves us so much that his love overcomes my willful, egregious, rebellious sin. So much so that he proved it. This desire to love us and know us was proven through the offering of a son Jesus on the cross as payment for our sin. It was the full demonstration of his love toward us that Jesus suffered and he died for people who hate him. And this is the deal. 
When we accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness, we are transformed from enemies of God to his children and his friends. Radical sin, radical love, radical grace. And that, that's the gospel, that's it. It's that, it's that simple. When I look at somebody from a worldly point of view, I don't think that. And let me take it, let me take it a little step further, ready? Even when I'm kind to them, it doesn't mean that I see them as Jesus sees them. I'm a Christian and I, I help people get sober. I'm a Christian and I tutor kids in science. I'm a Christian and I, that's all very kind. Lots of sober people are gonna go to hell. Lots of people with good grades are gonna go to hell. Lots of people who got out of poverty are gonna go to hell. Loving our neighbor certainly means meeting physical needs as we earn the right of a relationship, but you cannot cause love to pull up short. Because what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world but they lose their soul? And the message is entrusted to you and me. And guys, right here is where we tend to collide with our culture. Right? Because we're like, oh, I hate, oh man. And I go tell people, why do you have to talk about this? Why couldn't you have talked about tithing or sex or something? Why do you have to talk about this, right? It fascinates me. I think this is where Jesus would get after his followers a little bit, where he'd say, now wait a minute. If you found a diet in which you magically lost 30 pounds, you talk about that. It's all over Facebook. You know those people on Facebook? I hate those people. I want to reach through Facebook and punch you in your Facebook because they're like, ah, you won't believe what I found. If you found a financial scheme, you won't believe what I found. If you cheer for your team, even if your team's of the devil, Pittsburgh, it, you, know, you, would, oh, you won't believe what the Steelers did, right? You would do that. We will shout out very loud, bold things to people in a very obnoxious way. Get the ball! Get the ball! Rip his head off! Get him! Get him! Right? And we'll yell that at a four-year-old on a soccer field, not think twice about it. Right? I know. Don't need... I saw you elbow your husband. Right? And so it's... Right? But when someone is going to go to hell, well, that's, that's a private matter. I don't want to infringe. I hate to bother. Paul says, no, no. The love of Christ is too overwhelming for that. If I love Jesus and I've received his love, that's gonna cause me to love you. And if I love you, I can't, I can't be silent about his love for me. I gotta tell you that story. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is why Christians are obnoxious sometimes. Because they, they literally would view this, we, I, would literally view this as a life and death situation. 
That's why sometimes they push too hard or they, they do weird stuff and put on the dumb bumper sticker and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of good motive behind that where they're literally looking at people, looking at you if you don't know Christ and saying, I don't, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. I'm not going to go to hell. Yes, you are. You're a sinner. God loves everybody. That's actually true. Everybody go to heaven. No. Only those who reconcile, who ask the forgiveness of their sin through Jesus Christ alone and come to peace with God. All right. And ask the band to come out. So this is the deal, okay? Through eye care, all we're trying to do is get the focus on this. So you may want to join that, all right? It's, it's kind of an informal thing, but you may want to be a part of it. So you can take your bracelet, write your three names on it. All you're, all you're committing to do between you and God, not between us, is to pray for those people every day. That's all I'm doing, I pray for them every day, okay? You may want to uh, intentionally share hope. Just say, you know what, I, I'll be the catalyst. I'll, I'll get something going. You know, I want, I want to meet my neighbors and connect, and so I want to do good with them instead of to them. And Yeah, I'm in. As a family, sit and talk about that. Just think, think it through, right? Intentionally share the hope of God. God, you give me the no-brainer moment, and I'll, I'll go through. I'm not going to go door to door. I'm not going to be the Jesus jerk, the obnoxious guy, but if somebody looks at me and says, give me the reason for the hope of this I'll, I'll tell them. And then intentionally learn. If you don't know God's story, you can't tell it. I mean, it's just, you just, it's important to know the Bible, right? That's the eye care stuff. And on the back of that connection card, hit the opt-in box. We'll remind you. All the links will come to your phone and stuff like that through Gracelink. And that's, that's kind of what we're doing loosely together. The ambassador question has nothing to do with a program at church, because being an ambassador for Christ is not something that you do. It is who you are if you're a follower of Jesus. So all of a sudden that question becomes a real sobering one. Are there people in my life that I have a relationship with, right? That don't know they're sinners I might even participate in the sin with them. They don't know. I've never said anything. I don't stand apart. They don't know they're sinners. Are there people in my life that don't know the radical nature of God's love? And are there people in my life that are not reconciled? We're gonna talk next week about why you're there. This is what Christians do. We're matchmakers. We match sinners to their savior. It is the work that we're called to do. It is the message that we proclaim. We are ambassadors. Why don't we steal a few minutes while we're together this weekend and just bow our heads and, and pray and be quiet and still for a minute. Ask God to put in your mind those people that you need to be an ambassador to.
Maybe grab the Sharpie and write the names on the back of the rubber band so you remember, right? Maybe you need to apologize to God for, for not, not doing your calling, for passing, and asking God to give you the courage in the no-brainer moment, right? Whatever it is, spend some time with him. Let God rumble around your heart a little bit and ask him to align your heart with his.